If you ask any writer working in comics today who inspired them, one of the most common responses is Alan Moore. There are very few people that have had more of an effect on the medium, and he's written comics for over 30 years, and in the process, created some of the most iconic stories of all time, including Batman, The Killing Joke, and Superman, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. One of his greatest successes, Watchmen, was published through 1986 to 1987, and changed the way comics were written forever. Even to this day, it remains one of DC's best-selling graphic novels, and has spawned many different comics in that universe, as well as a critically panned movie and critically acclaimed HBO television show. However, Moore has publicly severed ties with DC over their use of Watchmen, as well as its continued publication, and demanded that his name be taken off of any further continuations of the Watchmen universe. Additionally, DC's treatment of him and his work led Moore to rarely write comics ever since, ending with his official retirement from writing in 2019. I'm Braden Thorvaldson, and this is What? Explain. Alan Moore's school career hammered home that a life of academia was not for him. He started becoming disinterested in academics in secondary, or high school, theorizing that there was a covert curriculum being taught in schools that prized punctuality, obedience, and the acceptance of monotony overall. Given that he was in a British public school in the 1960s, he may not have been wrong. He started experimenting with and dealing LSD in the school, but was caught and swiftly expelled for doing so in 1970. His headmaster subsequently took the time to call up many of the post-secondary institutions that Moore had applied for, telling them that they shouldn't accept him because Moore would, quote, be a danger to the moral well-being of the rest of the students there. Thus blackballed, Moores went into various other jobs, including a pipe fitter, janitor, tannery worker, and a subcontractor for a gas company, before finally deciding that none of these jobs were artistically fulfilling enough. He wanted to try something new. His comic career started in 1978, with writing and illustrating his own comic strips in various underground magazines in Britain, including such characters as the St. Pancras Panda, Anon E. Mouse, Roscoe Moscow, and Maxwell the Magic Cat. Moore later said that he wanted to concentrate later on writing comics rather than drawing them, as he thought that he didn't draw at a high enough quality or speed to make a living off of them. To try and enhance his writing skills, he asked his friend, comic book writer Steve Moore, for help in how to properly script for another artist. With this advice in mind, he started sending script submissions to 2000 AD, a science fiction comics magazine that was most famous for publishing Judge Dredd, based in an apocalyptic future in which characters called judges dispense justice in a very permanent way. Moore's goal was to be able to write a long-running comic, but Judge Dredd already had a writer at the time, and all 2000 AD was offering him was jobs writing for a strip called Future Shocks which were Twilight Zone-style short stories that worked in an anthology format. But work was work, and between 1980 and 1986, 2000 AD would publish over 50 of Moore's one-off short stories. Impressed with the quality of his work, they offered him the ability to create an original long-form series for the magazine, the goal that Moore had been working towards. At the same time, Moore was writing two comics in Warrior, a brand new anthology magazine, Marvel Man, a revival of an old British comics character from the 1950s, 
and V for Vendetta, a comic created by Moore about an anarchist dressed in a Guy Fox costume fighting a fascist regime in Britain in the future at the time of 1997. Warrior ended up folding before both series could be completed, but DC Comics took the rights and allowed Moore to finish both stories. V for Vendetta remains a cult hit to this day, with a movie adaptation starring Hugo Weaving and Natalie Portman being released in 2005, and having the side effect of being the reason Guy Fawkes masks are as prevalent as they are today. Moore created three series over his time at 2000 AD, one of which, The Ballad of Halo Jones, was by far the series he is most remembered for. Unusual for the 80s, it followed the adventures of Halo Jones, a 50th century woman who was basically living her own life until strange events happened to her. Also unusual for the time, it followed her as she got older from book to book. It was also one of the first comics to prominently feature world building done in the background, and three full stories of The Ballad of Halo Jones were published in 2000 AD. Nine books total were planned, but they were scrapped when Moore and IPC Publications, the publisher of 2000 AD, had a disagreement on the rights to Halo Jones. Moore thought that as the co-creators, the rights should go back to himself and artist Ian Gibson, while IPC was loath to lose ownership of a very profitable piece of media. It got to the point in 1986 where Moore gave an ultimatum. Either Moore or Gibson would get the rights reverted back to them, and they'd happily finish the planned story, or IPC would keep the rights and Moore would never write another word for them again. IPC took the latter option, and Moore severed ties with them. This would unfortunately become a theme for Moore in his career. He created characters and a universe in his stories, and his publishers would desperately hold on to the rights against his wishes. However, there was another comic company more than willing to take on Moore for full-time work. Moore's work caught the attention of Len Wein, an editor working for DC Comics at the time, who offered him the opportunity in 1983 to write for a comic called The Saga of the Swamp Thing, which starred a character Wine himself created, Alec Holland, The Swamp Thing. Given that Wine had approached Moore personally for this, Moore was given a lot more creative freedom, which may have also been a tipping point for Moore accepting their offer. What followed was a complete change for the comic, as Moore rebuilt it from the ground up, changing a formerly Monster of the Month comic into a mediation on environmental and social issues interwoven with horror aspects. Moore also reintroduced some of DC's more dormant magic-based characters, including the Spectre, the Demon, and the Phantom Stranger, as well as creating John Constantine, a British magician and con artist who later became the main character of DC series Hellblazer, and was the basis of a 2005 movie starring Keanu Reeves and a 2014 TV series. The success of Moore's Swamp Thing run from 1983 to 1987 was the basis of the British Invasion of American Comics, where DC ended up recruiting from Britain such comic writers as Grant Morrison, Peter Milligan, and Neil Gaiman to revamp more obscure characters in a more adult context than their previously pulpier iterations. So, if you're a big fan of American Gods, Good Omens, Sandman, or really anything Neil Gaiman has had a part in, you have Alan Moore to thank. However, the main thing Alan Moore is known for in his DC Comics work, and perhaps overall, is Watchmen, a 12-issue miniseries illustrated by Dave Gibbons that is on Time's 100 Best Novels in the English Language. 
That's not comic books. That's not graphic novels. That's novels, period. And that many historians and comic writers consider a turning point in the comic book medium. The origin for Watchmen started with DC Comics buying the rights to the superhero line of a defunct publishing house called Charlton Comics. This included such heroes as Captain Atom, an atomic-powered superhero, the Blue Beetle, an inventor, millionaire, and tech genius who fought crime using beetle-themed gadgets, Peacemaker, a man who used brutal means to achieve peaceful ends, Peter Cannon, a man famed for using 100% of his brain and thought to be one of the smartest men on Earth, and The Question, a private eye with no face who had an obsession with finding the truth. Moore had an idea for a massive miniseries using many of these Charlton characters, but it would make many of them unusable for future series at the end of his story. DC was quite hesitant about burning all of the intellectual property that they just purchased in one miniseries, so they suggested that Moore keep the idea, but just create characters of his own. Moore did so by creating Dr. Manhattan, an atomic-powered superhero, Night Owl, an inventor, millionaire, and tech genius who fought crime using owl-themed gadgets. A comedian, a man who used brutal means to achieve peaceful ends. Ozymandias, a man famed for using 100% of his brain and thought to be one of the smartest men on earth. And Rorschach, a private eye with no face who had an obsession with finding the truth. One could make an argument his original pitch didn't have to be altered too much. Not wanting to be on a work-for-hire agreement, Moore made his own creations for DC on the condition that the rights to the characters would revert back to Gibbons and himself after the comics were finished being published. This meant that while DC was publishing The Watchmen, DC would own the rights. Moore signed a similar agreement with DC in order to finish up V for Vendetta. You see, if you create a character while working on a comic book for Marvel or DC, the publisher is the one who gains the copyright for that character. Ed Brubaker the writer who created The Winter Soldier during his time as the writer of Captain America, has been quite vocal about earning more money for his one-scene cameo in Captain America The Winter Soldier than for creating the character itself, which has earned Marvel a not insignificant amount of money through comics, movies, and a Disney Plus TV show. Moore was quite aware of this type of caveat of working with DC and wanted to be able to do what he wished with his own intellectual property after his work with DC was done. DC agreed, the contracts were signed, and Moore got to work. The crux of the agreement between the two parties was that by and large, there was no such thing as collected books of comics at the time. If you weren't buying the monthly 22-page installments, you didn't have access to it. Reprinting comics was almost unheard of. So Moore assumed that after the two series were fully finished, DC would revert the rights back to Moore, and he could do what he wished. The problem was, Watchmen was a massive success. Even at the time, comic shops and news vendors could barely keep it in stock. After the series was concluded, DC took the unusual at the time step of publishing a full collection of it in a trade book format and selling it in actual bookstores. It sold well enough that DC just never stopped publishing it. Watchmen turned into one of the best-selling books in America at the time, and it still remains one of the best-selling comic book collections to this day. The only person that was absolutely furious about this turn of events was Alan Moore himself. In his mind, DC ignored the spirit of both of their agreements by continuing to publish the book and keeping the rights for themselves. Moore quit writing for DC soon afterwards, only after DC finished publishing the last two issues of his V for Vendetta comic, 
which was left unfinished at Warrior when the magazine folded. Moore stated that he wanted his name taken off any further iterations of the Watchmen universe not written by him, as they were explicitly done against his wishes. The statement did not stop DC from making nine prequel series to Watchmen, as well as Doomsday Clock, a sequel that melded the Watchmen universe with the larger DC universe. Moore started his own independent comics company for a few years after leaving DC, but eventually ended up working for Image Comics in 1993, a comic book company that was created by seven writers and artists that were fed up with working for Marvel and DC and wanted to have control of their own creations. This resonated with Moore, and he spent five years writing there, including three miniseries based on Spawn, a popular character created by Todd McFarlane, one of the founders of Image, and two long-running series based on characters created by Jim Lee, who's now the chief creative officer at DC, and Rob Liefeld, called Wildcats and Supreme, respectively. Moore worked relatively happily for about five years, until Jim Lee, the partner at Image that Moore was closest to, offered Moore an imprint of his own underneath Lee's company, Wildstorm Productions. In the comics world, having an imprint is basically being given control of your own sub-company underneath the main company. And to Moore, having a comic universe that he could do what he wanted, with minimal interference from others, and working for a person he respected, this was a golden opportunity. He accepted the offer and got to planning. The problem was, while Moore was planning his universe and offering work to a bunch of writers and artists he felt could help him with this, Lee sold Wildstorm to DC, apparently entirely unaware of Moore's disputes with the company. When Lee found out about Moore's history with DC, he knew he had a problem on his hand. The architect of this new universe that he just hired swore to never work again with the people he just sold his company to, and now Lee had inadvertently forced him into a corner. Lee ended up flying to England personally to reassure Moore that DC would leave him alone and he would have absolutely minimal editorial interference from them. Given that Moore had already promised work to so many people, and Moore pulling out of the imprint would leave a bunch of people he considered friends without work, he gritted his teeth and accepted the inevitable. And America's Best Comics, Moore's imprint, was launched in early 1999. Moore worked for about six years on this imprint, in particular publishing a series called The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which featured many Victorian-era characters such as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, The Invisible Man, Alan Quartermain, and Wilhelmina Murray from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Moore, along with artist Kevin O'Neill, published two series of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, even though DC Editorial backed out on their initial promise of non-interference and did veto a few of Moore's editions such as a fake advertisement for a Marvel brand douche, which DC had to order the full print run of that issue destroyed in order to minimize problems with Marvel Comics, their main competitor. Soon, Moore grew sick enough of the interference that he ended up severing ties with DC for good in 2005 and swore to go back to independent publishing. Over the next 14 years, Moore ended up doing just that. He published a third volume of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen called Century, in three different parts, in 2009, 2011, and 2012. He wrote some miniseries based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft for Avatar Publishing, and stated in 2016 that after he finished writing the fourth and final volume of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he would retire from writing comics for good. In 2019, he published that volume, wrapped up any writing obligations he had, and announced his retirement from comics, 
ending it on his terms, or as much as he could. Alan Moore still remains a legend in the comic book industry to this day. Even with his move back into smaller independent comics at the end of his writing career, he ended his career having been burned three times by a company that he put a significant amount of blood, sweat, and effort into creating for them, and his work still remains some of the most profitable that DC publishes. Watchmen and V for Vendetta are still wholly owned by DC, and are some of the best-selling comic series they publish to this day. Movies, comics, and TV shows are being made with his property explicitly against his wishes, to the point where Moore demanded his name be taken off all work that was being done without his permission. He was one of the most original minds to work in comics, and to me, it seems an incredible lost opportunity that someone who loved the comics medium so much ended up retiring due to not wanting to deal with the comics industry itself. Who knows what sort of books he would have written had he been able to retain control of his characters and still wanted to work with the bigger comics companies. At the very least, I hope he enjoys his retirement. Lord knows he deserves it. I'm Braden Thorvaldson, and I'll talk to you all in a couple weeks. Audio mixing for this episode was done by Craig Murdoch, so thank you for making me sound good, Craig. If you want to be up to date with all things podcast related, why not follow us on Instagram at whatexplainpod or on our Facebook page as whatexplainpodcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have some time, please rate and review us. It does help push us to the top of some algorithms, making sure more people can hear the podcast. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you all in a couple weeks with part one of our first two-part story.